Hi, and welcome to the Peak Endurance Podcast. My name is Isabel Ross, and I'm the coach at Peak Endurance Coaching. Today's podcast is a Hong Kong Four Trails special. The Hong Kong Four Trails is more of an event than a race. It requires participants to run all four of the Hong Kong Trails in under 60 hours. There is no actual winner, only finishers. My first guest is Stephen Redfern. He recently completed the Hong Kong Four Trails in a remarkable 54 hours. He certainly accomplished getting in under 60 hours. I first chat with him before the race, then after. He certainly had an adventure. My second guest is Andre Bloomberg, the race director. He discusses with me the reasons for starting the race and where he sees it going. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Isabel? How's it all going? Yeah, not too bad. Pretty good at the moment. That's good. Now, um, I hear you've got a big race coming up. I do. It's uh, under two weeks now um, yep. over in Hong Kong. And what's it called? So this race uh, I'm about to embark on, it's called the Hong Kong Four Trails Ultra Challenge. Now, I've actually um, watched a documentary on this on Prime, and it was called Breaking 60. Um, and it just looks absolutely fascinating. And listeners, if you haven't seen that video, try to get your hands on it. It's really a really good one, even if you don't have any intentions of doing the race. It's just an awesome looking, all the different trails. So tell the listeners a little bit about what's involved in this race. Okay, so this race this race is more of a, a challenge-style race, so only a small field of about 30 get invited to, um, to participate in this race. And it's basically, the challenge is you've been asked to run all four of the main Hong Kong trails, uh, them being the Mackle House Trail, which is 100 k's long, the Wilson Trail, which is 78 k's long, uh, the Hong Kong Trail being 50 k's long, and you finish off on the Lantau Trail, which is another 70 k's long. So total, you end up running 298 kilometres with approximately about 14,500 metres of elevation. And okay. the, um, the challenge is trying to achieve all that in under 60 hours to become a, uh, a registered finisher. So there's no actual winner, is there, for this as such? No. So, which, which is what I like, really like about this race. It's more of a self-challenge, but yep. done in a race style. So the uh, race director or the person who, whose concept it is is Andre Bloomberg, and his idea is, is there's no one finisher. It's just anyone who can make it under 60 hours um, or become finishers of the race. Awesome. And, and are there many finishers each year, do you know? Yeah, so, uh, so this will be the ninth year that it's been running. Um, in its nine years, he didn't get his first finisher until um, seven, six years in. And so 2017, wow. he managed to get his first three finishers that year. Um, and wow. in total, in total, now he's got in the last three years, he's only got nine finishers over the um, over the previous eight years. So, uh, yeah, so, very so it's fair to say it's a pretty tough. It's a pretty it, tough challenge. It is when when you sit down and logistically work out the length of each trail and putting them yeah. all together, getting from trail to trail, you, you end up realizing. That's what I was going to say. So, how do you get from trail to trail? So. Basically, when on the trail, you can't have any assistance. So it's, it's a fully yeah. self-supported race um, in that when you start, um, you have to carry and have everything yourself for the whole time you're on the trail. You can obtain uh, like drinks and food from uh, shops or vending machines that you come across along yeah. the way, but no, no human support, so no uh, support crew to be able to help you. But once you reach the end of the trail, that's where you have a support yeah. crew. And part of it is is your support crew will pick you up and then they transport you to the start of the next trail. And then in that time... And that's included in your time? And that's included in your time, yes. So yep. you have to put that factor that into the time it takes you to run the trails yeah. as well as the time it takes you to get in between as your total time to try and get in under that 60 hours. And so, do you know about how long that sort of that car travel time will be? Yeah, so between the first and second trail, Mackler House and Wilson, it's approximately, yep. it's about an hour's drive to get from one oh. trail. So it's a fair time, um, and then you've yeah. got to allow probably a little bit in between that to get yourself 
changed into different gear, yes. uh, preset your pack up because you sort of probably don't want to do that while driving. I know some people no. do. But I sort of going to seem to think that the driving for me will be my my rest time. Um, yes. Something to get some fuel, some extra good food into you, and have a bit of a rest. And then when you get to the other end, then you're ready to go straight away. So, I would be concerned about being a bit stiff after that hour in the car. Oh, I, I agree. It's that's probably the biggest concern is that you yeah. don't want to stiffen up too much. Um, so you want to try and keep everything sort of warm and moving around. So when you get out on the next trail, you're not having to spend the first say 30 to 60 minutes trying to really loosen everything back up again. So again, yeah, that's because as you get further into the race, that will get harder. Uh, most definitely. So that's that's and that's probably another part of the challenge as well amongst actually running a lot of the elevation, the the terrain, um, getting between the trails, um, not not stiffening up, making sure that you stay warm and um, feeling good for the next one. So yeah, there seems to be a lot of lot of challenges that you've got to try and put all together. Um, and logistically, but that's have kind of part of the challenge, isn't it? That is part of it. That's that's what makes it yeah. quite unique. Um, and, yeah. and the idea of being able to achieve that and having to work through all these different factors to to yeah. actually get finish line and whatever goal that you set yourself um, within that race. And um, who have you got crewing for you? So I'm, I'm lucky enough. I have a an old workmate who used to work here at Qantas in Australia and who now lives yeah. back in Hong Kong, um, who oh. happens to be a trail runner. Um, oh, perfect. So, yeah, so fantastic that uh, he's offered to crew for me and um, yep. because he's run on those trails, he has an idea what the trails are like, like how long it's going to take you to do the whole trail um, yeah. and in the area really well. So getting from trail to trail um, and picking It'll up. It will be easier for him, yeah. A lot easier for him, yeah. So and then Yeah, because if like, you had someone coming from Australia, they might not know where to go and they're, yeah, so it's no, a bit harder so, when, when you look at the first to the second trail, the start of the Wilson is right up the northern end of the main sort of island, right on the edge of yeah. sort of the Chinese uh, sort of border to the point. And you end up starting that in sort of like the middle of nowhere. So, okay. Uh, yeah, so having someone who knows the area would certainly be of beneficial then to have two people coming over not knowing it. Yeah. Whatsoever. Yeah. And um, am I correct in believing that you have to run the trails backwards to what they're planned to be run? That, that's correct. So just to put in a bit more of a challenge, he makes you start each trail at the end of the trail and you run yeah. that to the start of the trail. So in that, the signage is a little bit more difficult yeah. as most of it is for direction going in the other, other, other direction. So you sort of have to look for the signs in the sense that even though it's sort of making, pointing for the other way, then you've got to try and reverse them to give you an idea of which way to go when doing it in reverse as well. So I'm assuming there must be trails coming off it because it's not just, otherwise if it was just one trail, it would be easy. Oh, look, that's, it would be. Now there's, when, when you go through, uh, now that I've, I've actually gone over there and wrecked all four and oh, had, awesome. a really look, had a really good look at all the trails and um, as you just mentioned, there are a lot of other trails that come on and off. And in my recce's, I actually did make quite a few mistakes, which uh, gave me a good chance to learn how to see them and how to look at them. And I have an understanding more how the signage works, so it makes me a bit more yeah. confident now going into the race, what I'm actually yeah. looking for. And some of those harder intersections that I made the mistake, I've got them in my head now um, and hopefully don't make the same mistake when actually doing the, um, the, the challenge itself. Oh, that's excellent. That's great that you were able to recce all four trails. I assume you did four different trips or did you do some of them on one trip? So I did it in two trips. Uh, I went yeah. in early uh, December. Um, I ran the longest, Mackler House then, which was my first one, and then I yeah. ran the shortest one, the Hong Kong Trail. So together that worked out to about 150 k's, um, which was really good. And I did yeah. them at, uh, like two days apart. And then I just came back, uh, I was there the first week of January, and that's when I ran the opposite two trails. So I ran the Wilson, um, yeah. starting one at midnight, um, which is roughly, I was, wanted to start that when I would start it in the race. Uh, to get a okay, good idea, because everything looks different in the dark. Uh, it certainly did, it, especially when you get dropped off um, in the middle of nowhere, in a country you've never really been in, um, yeah. in the big black, and all you can see is just, black bush around you so that was oh, that was wow. quite real actually starting that one 
Yeah. But good to do at night. Um, gave me a lot more confidence of knowing that trail really well. And then the Lantau, the biggest challenge in the whole race out of all four trails is you've got to try and achieve getting on the 3 a.m. ferry on the second night, which takes you from Hong Kong into Lantau. And from that ferry, that will then give you the best opportunity to be able to finish the Lantau mm-hmm. trail and come in under 60 hours. Because basically, if you miss that ferry, you're not going to make it the time, are you? Logistically, no, because the next ferry being a public holiday weekend, being the Chinese, uh, is not until 7 o'clock in the morning. So there's a four-hour uh, gap between wow. the ferry. Yeah. Which in, 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 on paper, it could be done, but you would be doing a, an exceptional time running the 70K yeah. length to be able to finish that under the 60 hours. So it's not saying it's impossible, but it, it would make it very improbable if you miss that 3A ferry. Just don't miss the ferry. No. <laughs> That's why you get very minimal people actually coming in in the finishing time of under 60 because yeah. it's, it's people aiming for that ferry. Normally only two or three in the last couple of years have made that ferry, which oh, is wow. allowed in 60. Yeah. Um, there's one other thing it does allow is even though you might not make the 60 hours, um, yeah. he allows up to 72 hours to complete the race, which he okay. deems everyone to be a survivor. So okay. he gives you two levels. So he doesn't recognise you as, fin- as being a finisher, but he would put you down as a survivor, being that yeah. you've gone over 60, but you've ha- managed to achieve it under 72. So not Okay, so it's, you don't just completely give up if you miss the ferry then? No, not at all. So if you miss that yeah. ferry, you know that you will basically not make the 60 hours, but yeah, you've then given but... yourself a huge chance of getting in under 72 because yeah. that would then lead you like 16 to 17 hours to then finish that last trail okay. and yeah. come to the 72-hour mark. So, yeah, there's it's it's not just yeah. a complete give up, which is really good. Yeah, but of course, I mean, I, I'm I'm pretty confident that you'll make that um, ferry because I know you're definitely going for under 60 hours, aren't you? That, that I am. So to me, yeah. if I'm going to go all that way, the, the challenge is that breaking 60. So you'd have to have yeah. in your head that you want to do 60. So for me, my whole race will be the first three trails yeah. racing or gaining to get to that 3 a.m. ferry. I think that's where you've got to put in your head logistically how you run it. Um, once you can achieve that, then you can be very confident that you give yourself a lot of time to be able to yeah. finish that last trail, which um, which you can then look at that as almost like a second race in itself. Then, yeah. All right. Well, that all sounds very exciting. Now, what the plan is is you've got the race in two weeks, and then I thought we would reconnect after the race, and we can talk about how it all actually went down. How does that sound? Oh, that sounds fantastic. Yeah, you can uh, see what I get to say after I've completed three hundred. Yes. And geez, we hope we hope you got that ferry and you got under sixty hours. Now, is there somewhere? Oh no, it'll be too late. I was going to say where people can follow you, but it'll be too late by then because you'll have run it and done it. So, um, yeah. Anyway, so we uh, pe- people listening, you will hear um, pretty much straight away the next interview with Stephen, where we will be talking with him how it all went. So this is just the introduction. So. Fingers crossed that he makes it, but you'll all be finding out soon. For, for Stephen and I, it'll be a couple of weeks. All righty, well, good luck with the race, and um, speak to you soon. Okay, thanks very much, Izzy. Bye. Bye. Okay, hi, Stephen. Welcome to the Back to the Peak Endurance Coaching Podcast. G'day, Izzy. Not too bad. That's good. Now, how's your recovery going after Hong Kong Four Trails? Recovery? Uh, recovery is actually surprisingly very good um, physically. No, actually, I... no, for, before we get to that, sorry, I should just yep. say, because maybe the listeners don't know, but congratulations, you were the second person to finish this year's um, Hong Kong Four Trails in a really fast time. and. Um, the fastest for a person who doesn't live in Hong Kong by over an hour. So for, for a non-Hong Kong person, you were the fastest person. So an awesome achievement for coming second, but for also beating that record. So well done. Yeah. 
So it, it, uh, it surprised me. I was definitely not expecting to achieve a time that well. Um, I what was the actual my... time? Just tell the listeners what the actual time was. So the time for the 298-kilometre run was yeah. 54 hours and 46 minutes. Wow. That's a long time to be out there on your feet. It certainly was. And very, I was very chuffed to actually get over five and a bit hours um, quicker than the sub-60 hour sort of goal that you're trying to achieve. Yeah, like normally when people go for sub-60, they're aiming for just sub-60, but you well and truly were under that. Yeah, I actually didn't even know until I finished. And, oh, okay. Uh, Andre, the director, told me my time. I, I yep. actually honestly thought it was later in the day and I was uh-huh. up around the 57 or so hour mark. So when Was your watch it, flat? No, I just didn't bother looking at the time on my watch. Um, I was oh, really? Too, too concentrating on getting to that finish line. Um, wow, good for you. And yeah, so I just sort of thought, I knew I sort of wanted to get there. Um, I had a bit of time, so I figured if I got there before dark, I would definitely yeah. be under 60 hours. But of didn't realise yeah. it was still only like 3.30 in the afternoon when I finished. So yeah, I was pretty chuffed at that. Wow, that's fantastic. So, yes, go back to how's your recovery going? Because that's a big thing to recover from. How's that going? Yeah, so recovery uh, physically, um, I feel absolutely fantastic. Um, Great. I actually got got up the next day and found that I had no issues um, with my legs, my muscles. Yep. Um, everything felt really good. Nothing was tight. So I was, I was very surprised for the size and the length of that run to actually not – wake up and have legs that didn't want to move. So, yeah. Yeah, so in that in itself was great. Um, nutritionally, um, I suffered a bit for a couple of days after the run. Um, uh-huh. I did realise getting towards the, on the last trail, I was having a few issues with my trying to get enough nutrition in my body and my race nutrition at that point was not being sustainable enough to give me my energy to run. So that sort of And yet you managed to run, so how did you do that? Uh, just managing it exactly that, managing it really sort of delicately. On the knife edge. Point. Yep. Yeah. On basically on the knife edge for that whole last seventy K. So oh, I knew God, that's a long time. It was. I knew I could do the flats and the downhills with yep. a okay steady pace and then holding that sort of um, feeling in the stomach back. Um, yeah. I realised straight away once I hit the hills, I had to pair that back because that yeah. was really starting to eat into me. Um, my gels and my tailwinds, which had been fantastic to that point, yeah. just because I had nothing left in my body, they weren't enough to keep yeah. me going on their own. So I was finding what I was taking in with them was burning up straight away. Um, and I was going back. So would you say with something of that distance, you need a bit more solid food in between? In between, yeah. So, mm-hmm. look, I, I was still happy to take my tailwind and gels right up to the yeah, end. Um, yeah, that's, I'd get that. I needed, yeah, I needed more in between to probably restore or yeah. um, put into my body what I was burning on top of the my race nutrition. So yeah. definitely something I've learned from that, that, um, that that's very important in between the four trails to really replenish now, yourself well. Yeah, you're quite a, a lean guy as it is, and you you were saying in our conversation before we started recording that you actually lost three kilos. Talk to us about that. I did, yeah. So I I, I went in about seventy kilos. Um, I yep. weighed myself. I got back to the hotel after the pretty much after the race, and I was fifty seven. Sorry, sixty seven. Yeah. So uh, weight wise, that wasn't a huge loss. I think for almost three days of running. No, but I suppose, but still. It's a bit, but I did find that I lost a lot of size in my body, so everything yep. was very loose on me. Um, so mm-hmm. even though weight-wise, I didn't lose huge amounts, which I don't think I had. I don't have huge amounts of that anyway spare, but no. it, it did start moving back into other parts of my body, which then I could see my size had reduced. And that so, was, like, like we said, possible muscle muscle breakdown there. Yeah, possibly a little bit of that there, and proved to me that yeah. You need more of the sort of slow-release food to be put back in your body to be able to use that in between um, while running um, to supplement your race nutrition. Do you ever have any sort of protein whilst you are racing, like these really long events? 
No. So if I, I was going off, um, I did a lot of prep of this prepared from my um, Lara Pinta 240k race last year. Yeah. Um, very, very similar. Um, say for the first three trails of Hong Kong, four trails would be the whole Lara Pinta. So yeah. I looked at how I approached that one, same sort of technical trail. Yeah. And with that one, I was lucky enough over, say, eight different aid stations is they had supplied a really good um, vegetarian risotto. Um, okay, yeah. Fuel. And I yeah. actually took the time to actually have a bowl of that at every one of those aid stations for that run. And, and that's what I was talking about with solid food in between. That's kind of what you need in between taking the tailwind and gels. You need something solid like that. Most definitely. And I found mm. that was lasting a good two to three hours yeah. during the running. And then by then I wasn't far off the next aid station yeah. where I could replenish that. And then your race nutrition, like your gels and your yeah. tailwind, which is your instant energy, they were yeah. really good to run on in between. So yeah. that's sort of how I went into this. But I realised I did not take the time to actually refuel with enough of that solid food in between the trails. And yeah. the hardest thing with this one is, is because you only got one real break after, say, 100Ks of the first trail, and then you've got your break before going into the next trail for another 14 hours, you've got yeah. to, that's really important for those very few times that you have in between to maybe take the time to really fuel up. So um, a good lesson I learned out of that one. So, yeah, and, and definitely. And, and that's what ultra running is all about, is, is, is with each race you'll learn something new. With, with each trail... Um, Obviously, there's no checkpoints. Like if it's 100 k's or, or whatever it was, for that distance, there is no checkpoints, is there? No, no checkpoints. So yep. once you start a trail, you're on your own, um, self-sustainable. Um, you yep. got to self-crew yourself. So what you're allowed to do is um, if you do come across somewhere that sells something, you are free to utilise that yep. to replenish, say, your fluids. So... Mm. Because example, that would be the big thing. You can't carry enough for 100 k's, can you? No. So I, I managed to carry enough tailwind and gels that I had worked out in two bags for 250 yeah. k, say for the first trail. Um, you come across, um, they actually do have uh, drink vending machines in the um, picnic areas that you pass through, but no food. Yeah. So you can uh -huh. just replenish um, your water and actually get a few uh, fizzy drinks if you want along the way. Yeah, and on the first trail, you come across one kiosk at the 50k mark. It's the famous one that everyone stops and has a bowl of two-minute noodles. Oh uh, yes, I saw that in the documentary. Yep. Yes, that's. And that's, did you get some? I did. Yes, it, they reckon you're silly not to, and yeah. so I did, and it's it was very nice. So you've already run for eight hours. So yeah. a bowl of two-minute noodles, um, and it's about four in the afternoon when you're coming through. That's so perfect um, timing. Yep. That was perfect timing. So that was the only spot on the first trail. The second trail, um, you come across one 7-Eleven store after about five hours where you can get some drinks, and I actually had some chips at that one. Okay. And then three-quarters of the way through the second trail, you've got to cross the harbour via three trains, um, which allows uh -huh. you to buy something and eat on the train when crossing the harbour. So I had some... Uh, Sushi and bean curd rolls for that one, which was good. Oh, that's good. Yep. Um, the third trail, which is the Hong Kong trail, there's pretty much nothing for that whole eight-hour run on the 50K trail. Yeah. So you're yeah. running just race nutrition. And the same for the last one. So land tower was 70Ks. That went for 12 and a half hours. And yep. there is nothing. So that whole 70Ks and 12 and a half hours was all done just on pure race nutrition. Wow. So so there nowhere, yeah, there's nowhere we can actually, <laughs> depending on what day, last year wasn't Chinese New Year, so there was a couple of more places open, oh, um, okay. whereas this year we were smack bang in the middle of Chinese New Year, so there were more, yeah. more of the shops that people have relied on in the past years were actually closed this year, so oh, no. luckily enough, I still carried enough race nutrition knowing to get me to the end. Um, yeah. If nothing else was open, I still had enough of that, and the rest of it would have been just bonus if I was able to get extra food along the way. Yeah. Oh well, wow. That's that sounds like it was um, the nutrition itself was is a big part of the challenge of the race. It, it certainly is. I, it's made me realise that you've really got to think 
and prep really well when it comes to yeah. that nutrition part. Um, and up to the 2.30K, it was actually all very good. So definitely after the 2.30 to the 300K mark, um, especially being all new for me, that was um, good yeah. lessons learned and I can take that away now and um, put that into my bank of um, of uh, experience when it comes to wanting yeah. to do something like this again. Do you think you would want to do something like this again? Of course, of course. Yeah. I think it made me realise um, just seems to be that every time I go for something slightly bigger, it, it seems to work really well for me. Yeah. Um, I actually so great at the end of that um, with the achievement and how I felt and um, even while running it um, the longer I went into the race the more I really felt like I was really enjoying the challenge of what it was yeah that's awesome that's great so um what what sort of you know what was the weather like what were the trails like how did that all go down um yeah we caught uh so we had uh, a good um, selection of weather this year. So <laughs> this year we copped a lot of rain. Um, first yeah. time quite a while. So yeah. halfway through the first trail, the Mackle House, um, so probably from the 50Ks towards the end, uh, last sort of seven hours we had like light rain, which was yeah. okay. So it kept us a bit, bit damp but not too wet. Um, I didn't need to put my raincoat on for that and that sort of kept things cool a bit, which was really lovely. Yeah, that's good. Then Started the second trail, the Wilson, which is the most technical trail. Um, and we started that with a full-on thunderstorm and torrential rain, which lasted oh for about the next 10 hours. <gasps> Seriously, 10 hours? Yeah, so, and it was like oh. driving rain to the point where even with the raincoat on, I was so wet and soaked through. Oh, wow. it was, was it like, cold? And cold too, so the temperature oh. dropped down. So, um, and that would have um, used up your energy stores quicker too. That exactly right. So I would have started to eat more into that just from the mm. cold weather. Yeah. So, um, so the Wilson, yeah. So we got a lot of rain, um, wet shoes, wet clothes, um, wet raincoat. Yeah. Uh, so I was actually with that one because the first section you go through the high mountain sections and it's very rocky, slippery and technical. So yeah. I was a little bit low through there, well, I thought I was. And um, by the time I sort of got out of the hills, I felt a little bit worried that I wasn't going to make my 60-hour limit, which was not oh, wow. a problem. So yeah. I started pushing myself. So I ended up running the last 55 k's of the Wilson Trail without a stop. So Oh, um, really? Yeah. So I ran from um, sort of 20 k's, 25 k's in through to the 80 k yeah. mark straight through, um, which wow. I ended up pairing back about two hours on my time, which was really good. Oh, that's good. excellent. So obviously a good tactic there. Yeah. And um, so then we got into the third trail, which is the Hong Kong Trail. Um, that's yep. the short, about 50K. And that's the one you run leading into the ferry. Um, uh-huh. So how did, because I know uh, when we spoke before, you had a little bit of concern about the ferry and, you know, wanting to make the time because you didn't want to have to wait. So what happened with the ferry? Yeah, so... I. Got to the start of that trail ahead of schedule and then had in my head that I might actually be able to make for the for the first person ever the earlier ferry, which is the 12.30 okay. ferry. Yeah. Now, that would have given me a good two and a half hours up my sleeve on the last trail. Um, and it would have been So did the guy eight. who comes first get that first ferry? No, we were all on the same three o'clock ferry. Okay. Yeah. So I ran Hong Kong Trail... Um, and I was all on track to make the 12.30 ferry, but yeah. then about 37 k's in, and I think we're about 38 hours into the race, I just had a bit of a tired spell, which slowed me okay. down a little bit. And So I you realized, are human? I am human, yes, a little bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I realised that 12.30 ferry was just slipping away by yeah. 20 or so minutes. And okay. I end up finishing that trail right on when the ferry left at the bottom of the harbour. Oh, no. Yeah. So you could Which, see it going away? Yeah, I was on, I was on the peak and there it went oh. uh, down below me, which is only about yeah. a 20-minute drive to get oh. to it. But that meant I had two and a half hours to wait for the next ferry and yeah. that allowed four other runners to catch up. And oh, five, no. Yeah, five of us on the three, three o'clock ferry. So, and so uh, it, what did you do in that time that you were waiting for the ferry? 
Um, it did allow me to have my one and only one hour sleep. Um, yeah. In the whole 54 hours of the race. Wow. Which, yep. Which I think was really good. So. Yeah. Uh, and I did. I did actually knock out for an hour, very well. And then good. it gave me a bit more time to actually sit down and repack my last bag, perfectly yeah. without feeling rushed. And yeah. then everything ready, a full change of clothes. Uh, yeah. And then we jumped on the ferry. Um, the ferry only took half an hour, so I just sort of rested on the ferry. And it meant that as soon as we pulled up to Mooi on Lantau, uh, yeah. myself and then two others, we started running straight away. Yeah. Uh, but two others, one went half an hour later. He was still getting himself ready. Oh, okay. Yeah. And the fifth person who only just made the ferry at 3 a.m., he ended up yeah. having a three-hour sleep on the island before he started running. So, Even though he'd uh, had he, the um, two-and-a-half-hour – oh, well, I suppose he didn't necessarily have the full two-and-a-half hours before the ferry came, did he? No. So the fifth guy yeah. only just made that three o'clock ferry. Um, yeah, okay. So when he got off, he was yeah. – so he needed, He actually had a three-hour sleep and then wow. started running at about 6.30 in the morning. Did so, he make uh, the 60-hour cutoff? He did, yes. So, oh, good. Yeah. And there was even, for the first time, a couple of guys actually got on the 7 o'clock ferry who missed the 3 a.m. one, and yeah. uh, two of them actually made the 60-hour cutoff as well. Wow, they must have sprinted the last part. They do. I believe one guy ended up running Lantau in about 11 and a half hours, which, which I think is like the best time someone's run that for the race, <laughs> uh, 70K. Wow. So, yeah, yeah. That, was, that was a pretty good effort for that guy. He yeah, that, that is. The 60 hour mark. So how many people got in under 60 hours? Um, so there was, so total we had 32 starters. Uh, yeah. He had all up, um, he had uh, 12 finishes. Seven of them got under 60 hours, and five more were the survivors who got under the 72-hour mark. So is that, is that quite like, like a lot of people this year? Like normally there's not that many? No. So he had a really successful year. So total people actually getting to the post box was the same, about 12, but yeah. more of us actually did the under 60 hours this time. So normally yes. the last That's three years, he's only had three people for the last three years each year make wow. uh, sub-50. So he was very chuffed that he actually managed to get seven people, yeah. seven people managed to get themselves back to that post box in the sub-60 hour mark. Were any of them female? Uh, no no female sub-60s this year. Um, yeah. There were four, seven were males, and then you had, um, I believe, I think it was three females made out of the five, made the um, sub-72 hours. Oh, okay. Oh, that's that's still a really good achievement too. Oh, most definitely. So two, yeah. two of them were actually at the 70-hour and 40-minute mark. So oh, wow. Uh, they had spent yeah. another whole full night um, oh. out the trail and then arrived in on Tuesday morning. So, so you'd been yeah. home, had a shower, had a rest, and they were still out there. Yeah. Yep, and they were still out there. Absolutely, oh. I mean, absolutely amazing. So it's almost like, yeah, that's – Completely yeah. three full days out on the trails for them. Wow! And then he had so yeah, so go on. So yep. He had and he had one more. So one more lady was actually out on the course. Um, she had gone past the seventy-two hour cutoff. Yeah. So what they do is even though she's recorded as a do not like a did not finish, um, they allow her to finish with the tracker, um, but okay. it's not recorded. So oh. she came in, I believe, around about the 75k mark, and they leave the tracker on for safety reasons to allow yes. her to finish, um, because yeah. she's already three quarters away around Lantau, to just yeah. stop and walk. Um, it was worth her while to at least get to that green So she might as well finish. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. That's right. So, what um, was that like, kissing the post box? Very emotional. It yeah. was, um, yeah, you try not to think too much about it for the race. Um, when you get off the ferry and start land tail, you just have yeah. a quick glance at the green post box and know what you're going to come back to. Oh, so you see it then. Oh, that would be do. kind of a bit hard. Yeah, so you actually – land is a big loop, so you actually start okay. at exactly the same spot, which is where the green post box is. So wow. you have a quick look and then you head out and you try and ignore it because you just need yeah, to do the job. Yeah. But coming off Sunset Peak, which is the last – peak and then you got a basically a 7k run downhill back into Mooi 
um, yep. you start to think about you're going to you're pretty much done. Um, it's all downhill yeah. from there. No matter how hard it gets, you know it's just yeah. you're putting yourself to the finish line. Yeah. And, and then you come out onto the road. There's about two k's of road running when you head down into the bus ferry terminal area. And yeah. And the crowds just start getting bigger. Um, there's people running with you. There's people videoing oh, wow. you. So um, there's a really good um, sort of atmosphere. The lo- the, all the locals get into it. Oh, it is it is phenomenal how much the local community get behind this race for the whole yeah. weekend and at that finish line. That's great. And yeah. and we'll told expect and as you come around the corner, said so you'll see it. There's a good couple of hundred people there wow. ready to cheer you on into the post box. So um, yeah, so a little bit emotional. Um, yeah, I can imagine. Um, oh, you shouldn't think, have had to hold them back. Yeah, I think it's tears of of just. Joy of finishing, tears of yeah. just seeing everybody there, yeah. cheering you and being behind you. And then you've also been told of everyone back at home. I was getting all these messages. Relayed oh yeah, to we me. were we were all following avidly. Oh, it was it was it was it was beautiful. So yeah, um, I think yeah, just the support that you get behind this race um, to uh, yeah just support you in there and encourage you through it was just yeah. absolutely. Amazing, and I think that's that's what makes this race so special. Yeah, and so um, and uh, Andre sprayed you with a bottle of champagne. He did, yes. So yep. we got to finish. Um, then it's kiss the post box. Um, yep. He comes and congratulates you. Um, I got the. He gave me my time, which was just already that gave me a big surprise on my yeah, face. Yeah, and that must have been another bit more emotional. Yep. Oh, it was. And a few people said, "Oh, they could tell I didn't have a clue what time it was because my face had changed." <laughs> When he mentioned it, and yeah. um, so then he sprays it with the the champagne, which is yeah. um, that's pretty special actually. Yeah. And even though there's no prizes for this race because it's it's, it's a self challenge. Um, yes. He does out quietly, and he um, issues you with a finishers t-shirt. Which okay, nice. Only the guys that finish under sixty hours will get one. So he's, he yeah. hasn't given out too many in the last. Nine yeah, years. I bet. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so a little bit chuffed with that, and I brought the champagne bottle home as my memento as well. Ah, uh, good one. Yeah, because he sprays everybody who finishes even under 72 hours, is that correct? He does. Anyone who makes yep. it to the green post box gets yep. the um, congratulations spray of the champagne bottle, which I think is fantastic. <laughs> I think it is too. I think that's awesome because even if you're not first or second like you, like it's still a huge achievement. That's, and that's right. And and how he promotes the race is, um, even though he still puts everyone in their order of when they finish, he doesn't yeah. call anyone first, second, Winner. and third. Yeah. So he just he, he promotes it as I have seven finishes, I have five yeah. survivors, and just out of respect, he just writes them up on his page in the right order that they actually came in at. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that's exactly right. I think anybody within the time frame, and that's up to seventy two hours. Um, yeah. It, is all deserving of saying that they've actually achieved that whole race. Yeah. Well, wow, that's just amazing that that you got that all done and um and you're back here in Melbourne. So what's what's next on the agenda for you? Are you already planning your next adventure? <laughs> it's uh it's amazing. I, I, I can't I can't believe how many times I've been asked this already in the last year. <laughs> so funnily enough, for the first time, I actually. Didn't actually have anything booked in after this race. Wow. Yeah. Nothing major anyway. Um, I do have a, a track event in March. It's only six hours, and I do have a. Oh, is that a... all? That's nothing. No, that's, that's just like... a walk in the park. And <laughs> that's I'm doing right. Twenty-four hour track event in July, but to me that. Oh, which one's the one in July? It's the twenty-four hour track invitational put on by um, by Maddie Exford in Canberra. Oh, so, so Canberra. Oh, okay. It's, yeah, it's a new new twenty four hour race. Um, yeah, it's an invitational race um, where you've got to meet a certain qualifier to be allowed to run in this one, and yep. has a maximum of only about twenty people on the track. So oh, okay. Wow. He's hoping with um, the conditions and the perfect race place that everyone might be able to achieve a good PB. Because you're not yeah. having to say run on a track with seventy or more people. Um, sure, but Canberra in July. Yeah, that's the might, only might thing be a I'm bit a silly bit... overnight. <laughs> yeah, that's what. 
little, I think it'll be cold overnight. So yeah. we'll have to see whether that's considered perfect conditions or too colder conditions. Well, I know because it can get in the negatives in Canberra in winter overnight. It can. I, I think it can get down to like minus five sometimes. So yeah. I can't say that's a, perfect, but yeah. No, it could have a negative effect, but that's where he chose. So um, yep. I'll give it oh, a go. It'll be interesting to see how that goes. Yeah. 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 So how, with with the Hong Kong Four Trails, um, obviously because there's only 32 people who uh, started, was that quite hard to get into? Um, yeah. So basically, Andre. He puts out on his Facebook page, which is his actual web page for the, the race, um, yeah. he put out normally every year its uh, applications will be open in July. Yeah. And it's, it's about a five-page sort of application form. And yeah. you've got to put down not just so who you are and what your history is, what runs that you've done, but your intentions of why you want to run the race. And okay, yeah. So... He wants to know that you want to do it for the right reasons. Um, yeah. And he says he doesn't want it to be just a, a tick-of-the-box race. Yeah. Um, so it's not like a normal race where you can say, I've ticked that one, move on. Or yeah. someone who says, I just want to see how many trails I can do and then move on. Yeah. yeah. He basically people that are wanting to go in to really believe that they can achieve all four trails and and want to do it for that self satisfaction of being able to achieve something of that magnitude so you've got to sort of put those and he gives you it's like a little bit of a mini essay within his application to oh, that's cool explain that. and then he he basically reads them all and yeah. he will put invites out so and he doesn't announce the invites so he'll let you know but ne- they don't actually ah. get announced until the day of the race oh so, okay yeah so you so you don't... even you didn't know who was going to be turning up I didn't. So I'd, I'd got a two or three guys. Um, you end up finding out because you meet up with them when I was yeah. over in Hong Kong. But generally, yeah, I didn't know three quarters of who was running this race until we actually arrived there on the um, yeah. on the day of the actually the morning of the race. So out of the thirty-two um, starters, may I ask about how many were female? Uh, so breakdown. It was uh, 22 males, and he yeah. had nine females in the race, which which I do believe was his biggest contingent of females. Wow, okay. Um, he does he does state in his application and on his site um, if he can have a 50-50 split, that's his perfect or yeah, most that's his goal. Yeah. Um, well, that would be he, awesome. Oh, it would be, and he and he tries it every year. Uh, he really tries to promote um, more females to apply. Um, yeah, and I think he even holds back on actually allocating spots to males. Um, some might not actually get into that race until fairly later on um, in the year, um, yeah. so he can keep those. Spots oh, because he's uh, keep them open for some women. Yeah, fair enough. That's, that's yeah. right. So uh, I believe some people might have only sort of. Um, I think I saw one post um, finally in about December when he finally said, "All spots are now full. Um, no more yeah. applications, please." So uh, okay. after he originally opened it up. So, wow, yeah. Um, but he gives it the best opportunity he can to have a yeah. nice, nice even amount of uh, runners between um, both female and males, which is, um, yeah. which is great. That's good. So you hear that, ladies, if you're listening, there's a challenge for you. Um, and give it a crack because why not? Oh, look, definitely. And he actually even asks the males if they ever have a, someone um, that's a female that they know who would be good for the race. They actually, yeah. He actually mentions that we should actually try and recommend and put their names forward. Yeah, so, yeah, so, yeah. So I think putting your name forward might be perfect. Um, <laughs> yeah, one day. Well, because next year, though, it's not a standard race. It's the just people who've gotten under 60 hours before. Am I correct? That's, um, so, yeah, so next year he's already announced it um, the day after this race. So next year is yeah. his 10th anniversary. So yeah. that's going be a invitational race only to open to all his uh, finishers and survivors. Yeah. So he has total forty-two, I believe it's forty-two finishers and survivors. And so are you going to go? Uh, tempting. Um, yeah. It'd be nice to yeah see what was possible. I think getting yeah. so close to that tall thirty ferry. Um, yeah. Knowing that if you got on that twelve thirty ferry, how much of a oh. different the race would have been. Huge, uh, yeah. So 
yeah, so there's always that um, linger in your mind as to what is possible. Yeah. So, so be but then there's also so many other races to do that you don't want to just limit yourself to the one, do you? No, and, I, and I've always been uh, a b- good believer of that, that um, I just don't go back and do the same race just yeah. because of what it is and I can do it well, um, yeah. especially if I've achieved something in a race. So I think achieving what I've done in this one, I can at least go yeah. away. I've actually got what I wanted out of the race. Exactly, um, yeah. If, if I didn't make sub-60, I might want to say they're still unfinished business. Um, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I, I'm just like what you just mentioned, there is so many great races out there to discover. Um, yeah. That, uh, yeah. So there's always something else that I'll be uh, very interested in, I'm sure. Though, uh, to be honest, Stephen, it seems like you've done all the great races, uh, you know. Like, is there anything left? Oh, uh, yeah. There's, there's a couple. There's a, yeah. There's a, nice, there's a nice great race, as you would know, in Tennessee. Um, <laughs> that's 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 always on my mind. Um, yeah. Another fantastic challenge if that um, if that was ever to eventuate. Yeah. Uh, I think the idea of a of a, of a bigs backyard race. Um, yeah. I think now I'm quite interested in knowing, I guess, time wise, what's yeah, how long you can go. Yeah. How long you can well, go. You, and, you've certainly proved yourself in 24 hour and like and that that race that you just did with 54 hours. So you're obviously able to maintain it for a long time yeah so I, I actually did funnily enough in this race for the first time in my life i actually copped a little bit of sleep demons on that oh okay morning. yeah so about yeah. five morning two about about two hours before the sun came up on Lantau. yeah uh, for the first time i was i was very very sleepy while running and yeah. uh, and had a bit of a uh, chuckled at myself that I was so drunk running that I could not actually run straight. It uh, was, um, oh, really? Yeah. I was wavering left to right, still moving wow. forward, but it was not in a straight line. So, so how did you uh, overcome that? Uh, just really focused. Um, yeah. I knew once the sun was up, I had no problems. Yeah. And, yeah, so by 7 o'clock, as soon as that daylight hit, it was like a yeah. brand-new day and I was fully awake again. And that was your and that was your third night that you felt like that. That was the third night, yes. Because so I get like was, that on the first night. Okay, yeah, no, first <laughs> night was fine. Um, second yeah. night I got just a little bit um, towards the end of that third trail on that yeah. second night. Actually, sorry, wasn't the second night. It's still it's still the end of the second night. So going into oh, the okay. third day. So, yeah, oh, so okay, yeah, yes, yeah, second night. Yeah. yeah. So it was the it was that sort of going into that third morning. Um, yeah. Yeah. Do you but think doing that, shift work helps you um, be better at, at staying awake overnight? I, I think it allows me to know how to focus through those yeah. sleepy times. Um, yeah. So I still I still feel sleepy. Um, yeah. Generally, like for a 24-hour race or, or any um, shorter than, say, what I did with this one, you learn how to manage it and you know what to yeah. feel. Yeah. This one, probably I got a little bit overtired and the nutrition probably didn't help by that yeah. time. But... You know how to focus and just push through it. And I always knew that once the daylight hit, I would come back and it would be like a new day. I'd be awake again and yeah. there'd be no issues. I could probably go all the way through to that time the next morning without an issue as well. So wow. that, that, would, that would allow you up to 72 hours again yeah. before you'd actually start to really cop that sleepiness, yeah. I reckon. Well, wow. Well, what an awesome achievement, Stephen. Thank you so much for sharing um, everything about that with us. No, my pleasure. It's always great to um, share these experiences with everybody. And um, we look forward to uh, hearing about your next set of adventures. And how can people follow you? Are you on Instagram, Facebook? What's the best place? Yeah, um, so I'm on both. Um, I always love love my Facebook. I tend to – I've always resorted back to that one. So it's just – my normal name on Facebook, Stephen Redfern. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just a, it's an open public uh, Facebook page, so you're no problems at all. And uh, I do have an Instagram, which I'm sort of just starting to really get used to using, and that's um, yeah. at Shaggy, S-H-A-G-G-Y, 072. And that's right, because your nickname's Shaggy, isn't it? That is correct. My nickname, <laughs> so, um, which seems to get around everywhere, even people in Hong Kong. Had picked up oh, on that 
Oh, that's cool. All righty. Well, thank you so much for your time and um, good luck with all your recovery and getting ready for your next races. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Hi, Andre, and welcome to the Peak Endurance Podcast. Hi, Isabel. Nice to be on the podcast. Um, so I, uh, we started talking on on Facebook, and um, you're the race director for the Hong Kong Four Trails, and I thought it'd be great if we could talk to you because um, one of our local guys, Stephen Redfern, has done the race, so I thought it'd be interesting to hear your perspective. So I was just wondering... When did the um, when did you come up with the idea for the Hong Kong Four Trails? Yeah, thank you for having me on. Um, I'm uh, originally from Germany, but I've been living in Asia for about 25 years and been yeah. living in Hong Kong for about nearly 20 years. Started running about 10 years ago um, and quickly then uh, started dabbling in, 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 in ultra marathons. And uh, Hong Kong is quite blessed having... Uh, a very close proximity between the downtown city and urban environment as well as uh, hundreds of kilometers of different country park trails. And uh, I was wondering back in uh, late 2011, early 2012, that it was becoming more and more popular for people in Hong Kong to do uh, multi-stage races internationally, like the desert races and so on all over the world. But at the time, uh, while single-stage events were starting to pick up, uh, there was no multi-stage event. So then the idea came about to say, well, what about doing the the four long-distance trails, so the trails in Hong Kong that are longer than a marathon distance, in four days back-to-back? And so that's how the original idea started. So um, I put. So one, you originally envisaged it as a stage race rather than a, just a one one-off race? Yeah, that's right, yeah. So the, the original format actually was labeled as sort of four and four. So, uh, uh-huh. one a day and, and four consecutive days. I, I put the word out among friends and everyone said, oh, no, it cannot be done. It's too hard. It's crazy. <laughs> um, I ended up doing it on my own, uh, and actually completed it. And, uh, then the following year we changed, so I changed the, the format to be four and three because I said, well, if I'd done it, obviously it was too easy, so we got to make it more difficult. <laughs> so in 2013, uh, five other people joined me. We done the four and three. Three people completed it, and, yep. and in 2014, the current format uh, started, which is now then changed to a non-stop format, where all four trails have to be done consecutively, uh, and the clock never stops. And uh, we, we tinkered with the um, cutoff points and the, the timing um, and so on a little bit over the years, but the format is basically unchanged since 2014. So um, it wasn't always 60 hours or it always has been 60 hours? The 60 hour was always the cutoff since the non-stop format took place yeah. in 2014. Uh, originally it's just the other cutoffs have changed, have they, for each trail? Yeah, originally the, the so-called finisher cutoff was always the same, 60 hours, but then the so-called survivor cutoff has, has oh, okay. over time. So it was originally unlimited, and then we had a few people that basically hiked it all, and that took sort of yeah. 100, 10, 120 hours, so it became a bit too long. Yeah. Um, and then gradually we tightened it over the years. So the current format that we held this year was... 60 hours to become a finisher and 72 hours to be a survivor. That's fantastic. Um, and um, with the uh, 60 hours, what do you think makes it so difficult to get in under 60 hours? Well, a couple of uh, unique perspectives here. First of all, the the trail distances accumulated 298 kilometers and about 40,500 meters of positive elevation change uh, wow. across the four trails. So it's uh, 100K Meklahos, 78 kilometers Wilson Trail, 50 kilometers Hong Kong Trail, and then a 70 kilometers Lanta Trail. Um, the format is 
uh, self-supported. So whilst you're on trail, you're not allowed to get any support. You carry all your gear that you need for the trail. There's no course parking and uh, no other support, no aid stations. Um, You are allowed to have support transitioning from one trail to the next. So you can have a crew there waiting and there's a car, if you like. Um, but the clock never stops. So the interesting dimension here is also the logistical challenge of getting from one trail to the other also needs to be contemplated in order to minimize the time. So whilst doing 300K in 60 hours doesn't sound too bad, if you throw in the elevation change, the self-supported nature, plus also the commute between different trails, that all adds up and that makes it so difficult. Yeah, 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 that's that's fair enough. And how many people over the years have um, actually finished it in under 60 hours? Um, we have had until prior to this year had nine finishers. And yeah. then this year we had a, uh, a very good result where we had seven people finishing. So it's a total. Wow, so that's, that's almost the same as what it all finished over the years. Yeah, correct. And in, in the early years, we, we, we never had any finishers. So it was only uh, yeah. um, back in um, 2000, uh, let me think, 2017, Tom Robert Shaw was the first one to break 60 hours. Um, wow. And uh, so 14, 15, 16, we didn't have any finisher. And then uh, yeah. over time, I think people become smarter. They talk to each other. They share their learnings. They share their bag of yeah. tricks. And this communal knowledge then uh, expands and people just become stronger. Oh, that's that's great. Are you going to try to somehow make it more difficult, reduce the hours or something like that, or are you going to keep it at 60 hours? I think the the 60 hours is, is become quite iconic and yeah. quite um, well-known for the event. So I, I plan to keep the 60 hours. Um, yeah. But uh, we do we do every year sort of look at the rules and, and tinker a little bit with it. So a couple of years ago we started banning uh, trekking poles. Ah, uh, uh, okay, yeah. And uh, basically, in the spirit of going back to basics, um, we we try to eliminate some of the the more modern tools. So trekking poles are out. Uh, next year we will ban music and podcast and uh, you know, listen- <laughs> Now, for some people, that's not a big deal, but for some people, they... they yeah, that, it. Uh, yeah, it would be for some. Yeah. And we're also looking at sort of, again, making it a bit more back to basics where we limit maybe the number of crew that people are allowed because sometimes it gets a little bit overwhelming when people have uh, a dozen people on their crew over the... Oh, really? A dozen? Wow. Yeah, that, that's a lot. And then you've got a lot of people moving around, yeah. Has a woman ever finished in under 60 hours? Yes, we, we've tried to get more, more female participants over the years. And uh, we've had Nikki Han from uh, from Hong Kong, which is based here, um, yeah. finish in uh, just over 58 hours in wow, 2019. Yeah. And uh, we had another four female finishers, uh, sorry, female survivors this year. So they didn't quite make the 60 hours. Uh, but four of them came in under 72 hours, so that's been that's been really pretty good. Yeah, no, that's great. And um, like, when you start, how many people do you have at the start of the race? So how many people have entered? So we don't we don't really look at this as a race. So this is sort of a fair. That's right. I I keep calling it a race. And and <laughs> okay. before we get to that question of how many, why did you want it as an event rather than a race? Well, I. Um, I, I did the first two editions uh, on my own, and I, I participated. And uh, um, I, I always looked at this as a personal challenge, then rather yeah. than a, a competition. And it was not so much about timing; it was not so much about ranking. It was always about getting the distance done. Uh, now there was some sort of notion of getting it done within a certain amount of time, but we don't really track split timing or ranking or other things. And yeah. It's also not meant to be set up as a as a commercial event. So uh, mm-hmm. um, this is basically my way of giving back to the ultra running community. I've received a lot of personal growth through ultra running, and I really cherish the cherish the the community and the the spirit of the people. And it's given me a lot of personal satisfaction and growth. And that's sort of my way of of giving back. 
Um, mm. Typically, we try to keep the field at below 30 participants. Um, we had a few more this year because it's increasingly more difficult to, to say no to people. <laughs> the way the yeah. way people participate is they they actually have to apply for an invitation. So they have to to apply. They have to write a short essay uh, outlining why they would like to participate, and then we select uh, a diverse field. We had uh, 33 participants this year across 19 nationalities, so it's quite diverse. People coming yeah, from, from Canada, Australia, UK, and, and many places in Asia. Uh, and we, we, we just try to keep it uh, somewhat low-key and, and, and FedEx style and uh, yeah. so that it maintains the spirit and the culture of this sort of uh, original nature of, of ultra running and fair running. That's great. I mean, I personally, I, I agree. I like more the grassroots style events. I think there's a lot going for them, to be honest. Um, and out of that 33, how many were women? Um, we had nine female participants this year, and yeah. uh, four of those were able to complete in the uh, 72 hours. And we had one female who uh, didn't quite make the 72, but she carried on and, and she completed the distance as well. So uh, that was that was quite worthwhile. So what, what we found, uh, Isabel, over the years is that guys are much more trigger happy, so they are signing up and they're, they're trying to get <laughs> quicker. Yeah. Uh, where, while females take a bit more time in terms of making up their minds, but yeah. then also once they've signed up and then they tend to show up and they tend to have a higher completion rate than guys. Okay, so guys, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, and we've seen that, we've seen that trend over the last few years and guys uh, sign up quickly but then they also pull out before the event and say, oh, I've got niggles, I've trained too much, yeah. enough. <laughs> Females yep. be more more deliberate and, and more thoughtful in their decision. And But then once they set their minds to something, they, they, they've got a better track record of actually pulling through. That's interesting that you can say that just from, from entries and, and completion rates and that sort of thing. That's quite a insightful thing to say, yeah. So, all right. Well, and what do you envisage for the future of the event? Are you going to have like greater numbers? Are you are you allowed to? Do you need permission to have more people, or what do you see for the future of it? No, we we certainly do not not like to uh, to grow it. Um, yeah. We we like to keep the spirit as much as possible. Um, next year, 2021, will actually be our 10th anniversary, so we have somewhat of a special format. Uh, and yep. get this as an anniversary family reunion. So we will actually only invite past finishers and survivors to come back and participate. So there are 50 people in total, and yep. uh, um, we, we're looking at probably uh, opening up 24 slots, uh, and then we may maintain a wait list if, if that's not enough. But, no, we'd like to keep it small and, and grassroots and... Uh, um, otherwise, I think it becomes just another um, big event, and I think there's there's so many of them, and there's nothing wrong with those. But no, but there's uh, enough of them, isn't there? Yeah. yeah, correct. So we don't do UTMB points, we don't have interest yeah. we don't have race walk, swag, and so on. You get a <laughs> you get a T-shirt if you finish under 60, and and you get uh, doused in a champagne shower at the green post box. So that's uh, right. You have to finish at a, a green post box at the uh, Moibo Ferry Pier in Lantau at the end of the last trail and get a kiss the post box and then you get doused in a shower of champagne and that's it. So, uh, but no other race walk. Yeah, well, I, I, I think that's good to be honest. So I like that idea. All right. Well, thank you so much for, um, talking with me and, um, about this awesome event. I know Stephen Redfern, uh, did really well. He was 54 hours and, and something. I can't remember the exact. Um, but I know he loved it and really enjoyed the event. Yeah, we were very uh, um, glad to have Stephen come over. He took the preparation really seriously. Yeah. And he uh, he completed in the fourth ever fastest time. And he's been more oh, wow. the, uh, the the fastest finisher. Uh, who's not based in Hong Kong? Because obviously, when you when you live here, you do have some advantages. You you have course knowledge, and again, the trails yeah. are marked for the event. So 
if you're coming from out of town, then it's 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 arguably quite a bit more difficult. So Stephen has really done an outstanding job here. Yeah, no, it was it was great. He certainly he certainly did a brilliant job. All righty, well, thank you so much. I appreciate the chat. Thank you, Isabel, for having us. Bye bye. Okay, bye. Wow, considering the difficulties Stephen had with his nutritional issues, it's amazing that he was able to keep pushing forward at such a speed. It just goes to show what the body can do when the mind decides on something. It was great to hear that Andre wants to keep the race grassroots. I personally prefer low-key events. I know there is a place for the big hyped events and I even do them sometimes, but to me, ultra running is all about community and I feel that so much more with the smaller events. How about you? What do you think? Let me know. I always love hearing about different races and this sure is one of them. There's a documentary on Prime called Breaking 60 that is all about this race. It's a great watch. I'll put a link to the official website in the show notes. Please don't forget to get onto Apple Podcasts to rate and review. I'll put a link in the show notes for that too. Thanks to Michael Bolton Forever haha, for the comment, really enjoyed the recent podcast, really good information and the five-star review that went along with that. Thanks so much. It's much appreciated. Also, a shout out to Larry who came up and said hi to me at two bays as I was waiting to start my sweeping duties. It was great to meet you, Larry. Always come up and say hi to me. I love meeting new people. Did you know that I used to race marathons? Yup, before I became an ultra runner, I raced marathons. In fact, I have a sub three RPB from many moons ago on the Gold Coast. So I understand personally, as well as as a coach, what is required to run or race a marathon. I'm also qualified to train people for marathons. So if you have an upcoming marathon, road or trail, I can help you with that. Just get onto my website, peakendurancecoaching.com.au and get in contact with me. I'd love to help. Have a great week and good luck to everyone doing Hut to Hut and the Archie. Have fun out there.